dismissed for Children's Church this morning. We're going to have some kids, workers meet you right out here in the front. Amen. Amen. What a great day to be at One Life this morning. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to remind you of a couple of things that were in the announcements. Um, um, on Saturday, June 4th at 6 o'clock, we will be here, and we will be with our other two campuses. We'll be with Hurricane and with Gandyville. And uh, listen, you don't want to miss it. We're flying in a guy from Puerto Rico named Apostle Kevin Millfield. He is one of the baddest preachers on this earth, and you do not, do not, do not want to miss it. He is absolutely incredible. Um, so mark your calendars. It'll be Saturday, June 4th. It'll be in three weeks, I think three weeks, I think. Anyway, look at your calendar and mark that down for you, okay? And listen, right after service, we're going to be going into uh, a growth track. Some of you may have got that letter, may have got the gift in the mail. Uh, we want you to be a part of what, what Next Steps is, is just taking the next step in, in God and taking the next step in your walk with God. And, and we want to meet you right here in the foyer off to the right. Stick around for about an hour and a half. We'll feed you. We'll feed you real good. You'll be full by the time you left. You'll know all about One Life. And you'll, all, you'll also move into a place of serving. And we'll go a little bit into that today, but we do everything we do within serving teams. And isn't it wonderful to see all these people serving this morning? Amen. I mean, you see them in the parking lot, you see them in the front, you see them in nursery and children's, you see them on the stage, and we couldn't do anything we do without serving teams. And we, we want to let you know we want you to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Somebody say amen. 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 If you would, turn in your word to Judges chapter 16 this morning. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. 16, verse 21. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to stand back with me just because I believe in standing on the Word of God. Have you know if we don't stand for the Word of God in here, we'll never do it out there. But if you learn to make it a part of your life and a practice in your life, I promise you what you stand for in here will bleed over and overflow into the rest of your life. And have you know the world needs Jesus, amen? If you don't know it, turn on the news, Amen. <laughs> They don't even know what bathroom to go to half the time. How, they need Jesus. Amen? Judges, <laughs> Judges chapter 6. We still know what bathroom to go to around here. There's men and women. And there's a confused one down the hallway. You will still let you go, but amen. Listen. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. <laughs> you guys all there? If you're not, just look up on the screen with me. But the Philistines took him, and they put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound up the fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. And the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for, for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God had delivered Samson out our enemy into our hand. And with the people saw him, and they praised their God, for they said, Our God had delivered us into the hands of our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry, and they, and they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson, and out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad, the young guy, the lad, the servant, they held him by the hand, and Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. 
And the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistine were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women, and they beheld all while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, and one of them with his right hand and one with the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were there within. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And his brethren and all the house of his father came down, and he took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorai and Eshiel in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel for 20 years. I want to continue to plow a little bit this morning with something called a multi-generational anointing. A multi-generational anointing. I want you to look at somebody behind you, around you, that's not your age, and look at them and say, we do need you. We do need you. Okay, I want you to high-five two or three young people, older people, and I want you to give them a high-five and say, we do need you this morning. We do Y'all don't sound real excited. I want you to turn to the other person that is excited and tell them, we do need you. We do need you this morning. Father God, I thank you, God, for your presence this morning. Father God, I thank you, God, for this, atmos- for this atmosphere that, God, we can begin to plow in. God, I thank you, God, that the rocks have been taken up with Judah. But, God, I thank you for the word because, God, it is the word that was spoken in the beginning of time, God, that still stands and progresses forever, God. It is the word that is the framework, God, not of just of the universe and, God, not just of time. But, God, it is the word that holds our lives together. And, Father God, I thank you for the word because, God, while other things fade and while other things wither, God, it is the word of God that will stand up forever, God, and will hold us together like glue. Father God, I thank you and I praise you, God, in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The last few weeks, besides Mother's Day, we took a little bit of a break from Mother's Day and we celebrated mothers and how wonderful it was. But we've been talking about a few things that are the basis of One Life Church. So we've only been around for six months. Uh, there is a lot of plowing to do. Uh, you begin to see in the windows that there are the things called experiencing God, equipping believers, and engaging the culture. They are not just there to be cute, but they are there to let you know what one life is all about. They are there not just to block out the light, but they are there that the light may invite, invade the darkness, that we believe that we are here for such a time as this, and we are here to shake the region of Kanawha County. Uh, we're not here by accident. We're not here uh, by, by just because we had nothing else to do. But we believe fully that God sent us here to shake a region. And I don't know about you. When you look around, God is beginning to shake a region. Amen. He is beginning to shake a region. And so we begin to see that, that there is experience in God equipping believers and engaging the culture. We also begin to talk about a few things over the last few weeks that to begin to plow and let you know what the heart of One Life really is, is that we are a group of believers. We are not just a group of believers, but we are a group of dreamers. Yeah, we are a group of dreamers. We're here to say that God can do the impossible. 
I said, we are here to show that God can do the impossible. Not just with the natural things, but God can do the impossible with some people. Yeah, the people that, that we, even ourselves, have said it would be impossible for God to reach them. Have you know that I am one of those impossible people? You are one of those impossible people that even some of you sitting in this room that some of your families, some churches have given up on, but have you know God never gives up on you? Yeah. He is still a father that is dreaming from above and saying, that is my son, that's my child. And no matter what they've got themselves into, that I believe that I'm going to pull them back into the kingdom for such a time as this. That we are here to dream big. We are here to dream as big as we can. We are here to say that everything that is impossible with man is possible with God. And we are here to show that nothing is impossible that to you enough that nothing is impossible with God. We spoke about vision a couple weeks ago, and I'm telling you, God is going to do every single thing that he said he's going to do. We also talked about that this place will be a place of praisers. This place will be a place of praisers because how you know the world, they praise everything that's special to them. The Bible says that where a person's heart is, so shall their treasure be. Yeah, where your heart is, you'll celebrate it. If your heart's in your three-year-old and they love ballet, how you know you will celebrate it? Yeah, uh, if, if, if they run track, if they play baseball, if they play basketball, and your heart is there, how do you know you'll be the craziest mother in the stands? The craziest father. That's why we have to have not only just referees at sporting events, but we have to have security now because people get overexcited and they celebrate things. But how do you know as good as all those things are? All of those things are as good as jobs are, as good as our children are, as good as our sporting teams is. How do you know that Jesus is better than all of those things? And I don't know about you, I don't want to be around people that look like they, that they sucked on sour lemons before they come into church. I don't want to be around people that look like they've been drugged through, through the knothole backwards before they walked up in church. I say this a lot of times. I mean, you may not get it, but it makes a lot of sense to me, and that's all that matters, that a lot of times you walk in church, and it looks like a bunch of pigs staring at bacon. It looks good to them, but they don't know what to do with it. But how do you know i got to be around a bunch of people that are excited about Jesus? Because Jesus is better than anything that you can walk through. He is anything that you can give your life to. And the reality is church has got to be a praising place. It's got to be a place that the voice is lifted up. It's got to be a place that, dan- that there's more dancing in the church than there are down the clubs, down the streets. And we ain't got to be intoxicated with something that's foreign. But we become intoxicated with the Holy Ghost. And a dance gets down in our feet. A clap gets in our hands. A shout gets in our mouth. Because we know and taste it of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And we have got to be a praiser. Uh, The Bible also talks about that when we're a praiser, it will bring men to repentance. Because they will want to know what is it that's so good. I, just the other day, I was sitting at a Japanese restaurant, and I had ordered some good food, nothing wrong with it. But I remember sitting there, and, and as I'm enjoying my food, this woman, the waiter brings and brings this woman this huge pineapple and sliced open the pineapple, and it was filled full of fried rice. 
That may not mean nothing to you, and I didn't think nothing about it. But when I started hearing the table start talking about how good it was, and they celebrated how good it was, how many know I started desiring not what was in front of me, but what was on the other table? Sheesh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Because this is what I found out is, is that when the church begins to celebrate bigger what's on their table, that no matter what's on their table, it may be addiction, it may be lust, it may be anger, it may be a bad past, it may be abuse, it may be bad relationships, and no matter what's on their table that they think is good for them, that when the church begins to celebrate and say, my good God, how good he is, it'll make them turn and say, I want what's on that table. We'll also be a place of builders. We will build. We won't just dream, we'll be, but we will be a place of visionaries that put our hand to work and we'll be like the walls of Nehemiah that no matter what the enemy has just taken and destroyed in the region that the Bible says that he's going to give it back to the believer. He's going to give them vineyards they didn't earn. He's going to give them houses they didn't even build. He's going to give them things, but how you know it's up to the church to get in it and start building it? And how you know it? One life we are building something that the enemy cannot take here. Today I want to talk to you a little bit of part of the vision that we will be a multi-generational church. I'm going to talk to you later about being a multi-racial, multi-cultural church because how many know that's just as important? That there is no black church, there is no brown church, there is no Asian church, there is no Spanish church, and no matter what we proclaim things to be, we are just one kingdom. We are just one family, that no matter what color we are, that, that we are all through the blood of Jesus looked at as one through him. And I want to let you know that if all you can handle is a white church, the heaven may not be good for you. If all you can handle is a white church, heaven ain't going to be good for you. Because all I know is even right now during this time, there are millions of Asians in China lifting up the name of Jesus. Yeah. All across Africa, there are millions of African, uh, uh, Africans lifting up the name of Jesus. Down in Puerto Rico, there are tons and hundreds of thousands of, of Christians that are lifting up the name of Jesus. And all I know is that, that we are so privileged here in America to be a melting pot of all different races and cultures. How you know the kingdom of God has got to be represented? Listen, I know the stigma on nitro is to be white but I want to let you know that nitro is not in one life, but we are a kingdom of God that will celebrate all races, all, all cultures, and we we will begin to lift up the name of Jesus and celebrate together for him. But today I want to talk to you about multi-generational because how many know it takes all generations for this to work? And I believe that in the end time and what God is doing today, that, that the only way God is going to begin to move is through multi-generational anointing. So many times we want to label a church and say that's a young church. That's an older church. That's an a older, wealthy church. That's a younger, poor church. But how do you know God said that, listen, I'm not none of those things. I am a multi-generational God. And yes, there are strengths in each generation. There are strengths in each generation. There is the strength in young people to run. They may not even know what they're running after, but they're running. 
They, they have entered. I look back at, at younger people that are younger than me, and I look at them and go, dear God, where do they get their energy from? I look at my children that are 6, 7, 10, 20 years old, and they have energy abundant, and I wish I had that energy still yet today. And how do you know we need the strength of their energy, the, the strength of their ability to run. But in the older generation, there is some wisdom that says, listen, I have been where you have been, and I have run hard as you have ran, but I know the pitfalls. I know what doesn't work, and I know what works. And have you know, when we link hands together, God said, there is where I can begin to bless. There is where I can begin to put my hands together. When the older people and the middle age and the young people, we come together as one church, and we say, we're going to do this thing hand in hand, and one ain't going to be greater than the other. A young person is not going to be greater than the older person. And the older person is not going to be greater than the young person. But we stand hands one beside another. And we say, let's do this together because we are in this to win people for Jesus. The Bible begins to declare when we speak about God that he says he is the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We begin to see there that he is a multi-generational God. Have you know Moses did some great things and God could have stopped and said, I am the God of Moses. Abraham did wonderful things and said, I am the God of Abraham. But every time he would begin to speak and declare into the nations of who he was, he said, I am not just the God of Abraham, but I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of all generations. And when all generations link up together, my name can be glorified in regions and in nations like never before. The enemy knew about this about God. And even from the beginning, we see in Genesis chapter 3 that when the seed of the enemy, the seed of sin began to slip in. He began to look at Eve and he said, I will always put enmity or enemy between you and your seed. I will always put enmity in between the generations. Have you ever noticed that, that a lot of times it's hard for the older generation to accept what the younger generation is doing? Vice versa. It's hard for the younger generation to see what the older generation, and I'm not just talking about it in church, but I'm talking about it in life. I know, listen, the older I'm getting, the dumber I think young people get. It's all right, I love them, but, they, but at the same time is that when someone was my age years ago, they looked at me and thought I was just as dumb. Right? And we look at them and say, Man, they have lost their mind. And every generation we declare and say that's the worst generation ever. Generation X, Generation Y, the baby boomers, the millennials. Every generation we look at them and we say you are awful, you are worse, you have no purpose. And every generation thinks they are better than the next generation. 
We look at them, and even in church, we look at the new generation, and we say, why are they dressing like that? Why do they have hats on in service? Why are they jumping like that? Why is the music like that? But if you will remember back to your time, someone was looking at you and say, why was your hair slicked back like that? Why was the music like that? I remember reading about hymnals years ago, and that hymnals at one time, the red back hymnal was heresy in the church. Because it was nothing more than bar, bar songs converted singing about God. And so every generation has went through this thing to where the last generation doesn't understand what the next generation I'm do, is doing. But you know what I found out about a, a true worshiper? It, it, it doesn't matter what's being sung. It doesn't matter how the song is being sung. As long as they're lifting up the name of Jesus. And I want to say this even to the younger generation. That there is some strength in some hymnals. There there is some power when you look back because I found out about my own self as much as I love the new music that when I'm in a time of trouble what rises up out of me is an old hymn. It begins to let me walk with Jesus. It tells me about the blood. It tells me about some things of where I'm going and even the younger generation needs to stop looking at it and saying I can't worship to that but as long as worship is about Jesus we got to link up as a multi-generation and say we will worship together. We begin to see this, that, that the enemy is putting enmity, enemy between the, between, uh, uh, the generations to where they can't link up even in church. They struggle linking up even in church. We all know this. We all see it, that I can't go there. I can't sing that. I can't listen to that kind of music. I can't be a part of that type of church. But the reality is we are all one church in the body of Christ. And listen, I don't expect for a whole lot of amens this morning because we're going to break down some barriers this morning, and we are going to declare that we will be a multi-generational church and begin to declare to the enemy that we are are one, not just in name, but we are one in the blood. The, 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 every generation has got the purpose in their mind that I declare that no matter what the enemy tries to do, there is not enemy or enmity between me and the last generation. Every single one of us, not just the young people, because let me tell you what I'm finding out. I, I'm living in a generation that I was forced to wear suits all the time to preach in. And, and, and I love suits. You look all in my, in my closet, I have suits galore. But when I'm getting told what to wear, I do the complete opposite because I'm just that kind of personality. You tell me to wear suits, I'll wear shorts. Don't, don't tell me what to do. I'll preach in shorts and flip-flops just to make you mad. And what happens is, is that now we have a generation that says, I want to do it my way. And, and they think, well, it's okay as long as I come as I am to God. And so we have this generation that comes in flip-flops and shorts and baggy jeans and baggy shirts and hats on. And listen, all that is wonderful and fine because God just wants you in the house of God and he wants you worshiping. He doesn't look at your outer appearance. He looks at your inner appearance. 
But what happens is we have this younger generation that now, the same way that the older generation looks at the, the younger generation and says, they can't be of God. Look at how they dress. They can't be of God. Look at how they, look at how they comb their hair. But we now have a younger generation that looks at the older generation in suits and sings a different song. And they say, I don't want nothing to do with that. And God can't be all in that. God has moved on from them. But I want to let you know that God is in every single generation. That it's not about wearing a suit or wearing a pair of shorts. But it's about serving God and worshiping God no matter how. So we as the believer, we've got to make up in our mind that we will break this cycle. We will break this curse off of the church and link up together that when someone is wearing a suit or a dress or a pair of shorts, they sit on the same row worshiping the same God. Because again, it ain't about us, but it's about him. And listen, I'm not talking about what you wear. I'm just using that as an example because I'm seeing that in this generation. That we can't, that the younger generation, like my brother Don Perry right here, an awesome uh, retired minister, that, that we, the younger generation would have a hard time receiving because he's in a suit. And they say, well, unless he's being real and wearing a pair of shorts, I can't receive from that. And so the younger generation has got to stop and say, no, 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 I break this in me. Because he has came up through the ranks. He has done it all. He's been where I need to go. You understand? And in the same generation, the older generation has got to stop and think back that I have been in that state before. And I, listen, I may not understand the crazy hair. I may not understand the earrings. I may not understand the, listen, their language changes every week. I don't even know what's cool anymore. I don't know what to say is a swag sauce. I don't even know what in the world y'all talking about half the time. But I got to make sure that even if I don't understand you, I still love you. Because it's not about sometimes what's coming out your mouth. It's what's looking inside your heart. And so I've got to break that in me. I've got to break that in every single generation. We begin to see here in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 14, that when Eli, the high priest, failed to teach his sons Hophni and Phinehas, it resulted in apostasy in the church, and it resulted in the glory of God departing from a nation. Everything that God wants to do in a region and in a nation will only come through the gateway of the church. And the reality is, unity has to come in the church before it will ever come in the nation. Have you know right now we are divided on every single issue. We're divided on Republicans. We're divided on Democrats. Republicans are divided against themselves right now. Uh, uh, we're, the, the racial divisions are all across America right now. Riots are breaking out everywhere. We're even to the point where men and women are divided against each other, don't even know who they are anymore. There is division. And the reality is when you begin to look at the state of the church, there is division that is flowing all through the church because we don't go to the Methodist church and the, ba- the Baptist church and the Church of God church and the Independent church. And then it goes farther to beyond that because now we have generations that are broken down and one is looking 
looking at the other, saying, I don't want nothing to do with that. But until unity comes in the church, whatever come into the nation, and I declare right now that unity will be in one life church, so it will flow in the region of Nitro. It will flow in the region of Polka. It will flow because it's got to start here. As we fail, that's why I've got to take a Sunday and teach us so that we begin to break this spirit, this Hophna and Eli spirit, that apostasy does not happen in our church and that we don't just become a young church or a hip church or the hottest church. No, no, no. We are the church. We are standing together as one church, flowing together to reach people for Jesus. Uh, and as much as it's been broken down around the thing, you have to begin to understand that, that in Samson, it, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 13, it says the days of evil was flowing abundantly. But Samson's mama, she began to realize that, listen, I can't do nothing about it. I've done everything that I can do for my generation. But if I begin to pray and seek God and say, God, let there be a Samson be birthed out of me. Let there be a Samson that births into a new generation. And you begin to see there that she did everything everything that she could possibly do. She worked in the fields. She prayed. She fasted. And all of a sudden, God did a supernatural move of God and gave her Samson. I want to let you know, older generation, that you have worked in the fields. You have prayed, and you have fasted, and you have done everything that you knew to do. But that generation that you have been praying for is here now. It's here now. And there is a Samson spirit that is rising up in the generations. It is rising up in the nation saying we will take our land. We won't do it with the judgment of righteousness but we will do it with the judgment and the fruit of the spirit and we will begin to go after things that no one else could do. We will destroy idols like no one else could do but listen to older generation you've got to look at the new generation and say thank God they've came about let's get behind them and push them and shove them into where God wants them to be. says there in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 12 they shall build the old waste places and shall rise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairers of the breach and the restorer of the paths to dwell in new generation you've got to realize what you are doing is not because you are so special but it is because an older generation sowed seeds that you are reaping a harvest in. We've been here six months, and over six, we started with a handful of people six months. Last Sunday, we had 140 something people. We have grown over 100 people in six months. Is that because Rob is so special? No. Is that because I'm so special? No, it's because there was seeds that have been prayed for years and we are reaping a harvest from people that were desperate to see a move of God and to see a revival and awakening begin to happen. What's happening in southern West Virginia is not because, yes, thank God for a bunch of fired up generation that is praying and seeking God in schools, but it is coming from an older generation that has sown seeds for years 
years and years and years. I know even for myself, for 15 years, I, I preached and I prayed and I prophesied in those areas that there was an awakening beginning to happen. And all I know is there was generations even before me that stood in those areas and said an awakening has happened. And listen, young people, you can't be so foolish to think that it is just about you, but there is a generation that has sown seeds into what you are doing now. All throughout 1 Samuel, we begin to see that there's three generations that are beginning to work. There is Samson's mother who prayed, worked in the field, and sowed seed. She passes on the next generation to a warrior called Samson. Samson did everything that he could possibly do to the point where the enemy tried to destroy him. To the point where they cut his hair, he lost his strength, and to the point where he lost his vision. A middle generation had lost its vision, but God supplied a young lad. As he was standing there with no vision, he was standing there on his wits end, and he was performing for the enemy over and over and over. I want to stop right there, and I want to say this, that unless the church is reaching people and people are being saved, no matter how good the church services are, no matter how faithful the church attenders are, no matter how faithful the tithe payers are, unless we are reaching people for Jesus, we are doing nothing but performing for the enemy. Because God wants us not just to be faithful in traditions and religions, but he wants us to be faithful to the harvest. We are walking in a generation that has stood and said we will do nothing more than walk in traditions, walk in, because we know better. We'll show up at church. I know this ain't shouting material, but let me break some ground. So we'll do these traditional things. We'll, we'll get up and go to church because we know we're supposed to. We'll tithe because that's what we've always done. And have you know God blesses you for doing it. But there has got to be a reignited fire. There has got to be a reignited fire. That as long as you have breath in your body, you have purpose inside of you. You are not just saved to sit in a pew and to call yourself a good man or woman of God. But God has called you to be a man of valor to reach your generations to come. That the same fire that was in Papa will be in the grandson. And that same spirit is passed down from generation to generation. And we've got to have an older generation break out of traditions that have lost some vision and say, you know what? What? Lead me to the post that I can find my vision again. We begin to see that here the older generation was. They begin to lose their vision. Begin, listen, being faithful to it was destroying it, but it had lost their vision. And he said to the servant, as you have me in your hand, he said, take my hands. Take me by the hand and lead me to the place that I can stretch out my hands. Can I tell you something? Even Moses needed someone to lift up his hands. 
Oh, my gosh. Our older generation could not be so prideful that says we don't need a generation to grab us by the hands, that will grab us by the hands and lead us. But sometimes you've got to let a a younger generation grab you by the hands and say, put my hands where there's familiarity. Put my hands where I know the posts are at. And sometimes a young generation has got to get on fire so that the older generation gets a fire back in their hands again, gets a fire back in their feet again, gets a fire back in their shout again, gets a fire that we can destroy a generation. Here he begins to lift up his hands. I'm reminded as Moses was lifting up his hands, and as long as his hands were lifted, uh, the battle was being won in the valley. Listen, I don't care what generation you're in, you're never too old to lift up your hands. I remember growing up in Stone Branch Church of God, and I was down there, and there was a guy named Doug Bell, Robert Bell. And I'll never forget this man. He had a cerebral palsy. And they literally had to sometimes bring him in on a stretcher and put him in in a thing. And every single week he was dedicated to come to church. And I'll never forget this man because here he was almost paralyzed. But his hands every single Sunday would just barely go up. They would go up as far as he could lift them up. Because he was dedicated that as long as I could get to the house of God, I would lift my hands. And let me tell you something. You're never too young. You're never too old. You're never too anything to lift up your hands and give God praise and say, God, you're worthy of every single thing because God, if it had not been for you, I would not be where I am today. Oh, good God. It's important that we lift our hands in worship. It's important that we lift our hands in surrender. It's important because the victory is always won. If you study anything about a boxer, as long as they keep their hands up, they're still in the fight, my good God. They're always still in the fight, but it's when they let their hands down, they get so tired they're not in the fight again. See, every time you keep your hands lifted, you're letting the enemy know, I may be in a fight, but I'm still in a fight. I may be losing this round, but baby, you give me a breather in worship. I'm coming back out swinging in the next round, and I will declare that I already won victory as long as my hands are lifted in the fight. Samson knew that he had to get his hands lifted, so he looked at a younger generation and said, grab me by the hands and lead me to a place that I can lift my hands and place them on the poles the foundations where everything that was wrong was held up by this one foundation. And it says there in verse 30 that Samson destroyed or killed more in that one instance than he did his whole entire life. Why is that? It's because one generation had enough sense to reach to another generation. And when the generations linked up, the one generation couldn't do it by themselves. And the other generation couldn't even see where to go. But when the generations linked up and they held hands side by side and they helped each other, how do you know the enemy has no chance? 
And the foundations of every single thing he has done in these regions, every single thing that he has tried to destroy, every place of sin that he has placed. I don't know about you, we are one of the most heroin-addicted states in America. But you know what I found out is that if we as generations will link up, we can fight any kind of addiction that comes and goes. We can fight any kind of perversions that comes and goes. We can fight divorce and fight it coming and going. And as long as we will link up together, we can fight any single thing that the enemy can throw our way. Stand up with me this morning. I want to do something this morning. I, it may be a little weird to you, but that's all right. I want our younger generation, I want you to come to this altar for me real quick. If you're 20 and below, I want you to come. Now, if I see you up here with gray hair, I'm sending you back because stop, stop faking it. My wife tells me all the time she's still 29. She's pushing over that, though. She ain't in here. I can say that. Yes, ma'am. Is that all 20 and below? You see this generation right here? This is the generation that's going to lead our generation to the polls. To the posts. This is the generation that's catching fire right now. No matter how you feel about it, God's still setting them on fire. We stood in our stadium last night with 2,000 crazy young people screaming, jumping in 40 degree the winter weather screaming for Jesus the altar was full of generation saying we want more of God no matter what's happening in our generation we want Jesus we may not know how to fix it but we want Jesus Young guys, I want you guys to just begin to lift your hands right there where you're at. Father God, I declare the fire of God on this generation. God, I declare right now the fire of God on this generation. God, I declare the fire of God on this generation. God, I declare the fire of God, God, in their schools. God, I declare, God, that everything they went through in their past, God, their families put them through, God, it stops with them. God, I declare right now, God, that every, every generational curse is broken right now. God, there's a fresh blessing, God, right now that's going to happen with this generation, God. God, divorce stops with this generation. God, addiction stops with this generation, God. Rejection, it stops with this generation, God. God, I declare a fresh fire, God, to happen over top of this generation, God, that it, like it's never been seen before, God. God, I declare that everything that's happening in southern West Virginia, God, I declare it to hit Kanawha County. God, I declare it right now, God. I'm not done. I want the middle-aged groups to start coming this way and stand right behind them. You may think I'm crazy. You may even be new here today. This is how we do it at One Life. I want a, a, a middle-aged group to start coming forward. 
Come on, I want you to begin to line right behind them. Why y'all acting slower than the first generation? Come on, y'all walk, walk across here. Come on. Young people, I want you to turn around. And I want you to place your hand on the next generation. Come on, you may not even know how to pray, but I'm going to pray for you. Just put your hands right there on them. God, I declare right now that this generation will rise up with fire again. God, I declare that this generation of Samson will be restored in their proper place again. God, I declare as the young people pray for the next generation, God. God, the unity will begin to happen, God, in the generations, God. That God, a multi-generational break will begin to happen, God, as we begin to pray right now. God, every single thing that this generation has went through, God, God, they will rise up with fresh vision, fresh vision, fresh vision for a new generation to come. If you're in that older generation, our more mature group, I want you to start making your way this way, and I want you to stand right behind this generation. We're going to be a generation Oreo this morning. Generation sandwich, as I call it when you're hungry. Y'all ready? Older generation, I want you to begin to pray for the generations that are in front of you. I want you to begin to declare. Come on, you guys keep praying for one another. Come on. Father God, right now, God, as this older generation, God begins to pray, God, we press power of the Holy Ghost down inside of them, God. That power that they felt as a child, that power they felt, God, God, of a generation, God, that passed. God, they knew how to push in to the Holy Ghost. They knew how to push in to healing. God, I declare it to push into every generation, God, right now. Come on, lift up your voice and begin to pray for this generation in front of me. this morning but I want to give you an opportunity no matter what generation you're in that if you need Jesus this morning I want you to come to this altar if you're not already here or if you're already at the altar I want you to press your way to this front and we're going to let you meet Jesus this morning and I'm telling you he's going to set a fresh fire on you he's going to set a fresh fire on you a fresh fire a fresh fire Kelly I want you to lift up your hands when you up your hands. Father God, I declare right now, God, a fresh fire, God, on her generation, God. God, a fresh fire, God.
in this town enemy you have no chance in every home that is connected to this church God I declare that businesses will be in full abundance flowing through this city 
God, not one more door will shut on a business. But God, because one life in the presence of God is centered right in the heart of Nitro. God, as we lift up your voice, God, abundance, blessing will flow. God, in a radiance of five miles all around this place. Any good today? Can you put your hands together and just tell